0: everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburgh Podcast, the first episode of 2023 after a little holiday break for Robbie and I. Uh, I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, and as I mentioned, I'm always joined by my fellow Pensburgh contributor and co-host of this podcast, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how was your end to 2022, and how has your start to 2023 been?
1: Yeah, it's hard to complain. On my end, it's been uh, it was a good Christmas, good good New Year, uh, some good family time, and yeah, I mean overall, uh, can't really complain too much. Got through that. Uh, if you're in Western Pennsylvania at least, that nice little cold spell right around Christmas. But um, other than that, yeah, I had a had a a very relaxing week between uh, the holidays and got some time to recharge batteries and ready to go for twenty twenty three.
0: So while, Robbie, you and I had a, a pretty nice end to 2022, and it sounds like both of us have had a good start to 2023, the same cannot be said for the Pittsburgh Penguins, who continue on another Lengthy losing streak at last check. The team has lost five straight games, including a 2-1 to loss in the Winter Classic against the Boston Bruins at Fenway Park. Uh, the Penguins actually had a one nothing lead for a decent chunk of that game, that one goal for the Penguins coming from Kasperi Kapanen. However, the Winter Classic, in addition to the regulation loss, uh, the Penguins also lost goaltender Tristan Jari to some sort of lower body ailment that I don't believe as of this recording has been uh, specified. What we do know, however, is that the injury looks to be severe enough that the Penguins have Uh, recalled the services of Wilkes-Barre Scranton goaltender Dustin Tokarski. Uh, Tokarski went on a little bit of a run with the Buffalo Sabres last year, the year before. In addition to Tristan Jari's ailment, Chris Letang remains injured. And uh, as we learned, uh, the day of the Winter Classic, his father had unexpectedly passed away. He has taken a leave of absence to be with his family in Montreal, so we wish Latang and his family members all of the best as they deal with this, what is obviously a difficult time for he and his family, all the best to the LeTangs. Uh, Robbie, but shifting focus to the on-ice product and uh, where the Penguins sit right now, uh, I wanted to spend this week's episode, instead of beating a, a dead horse, continuously talking about Brian Dumoulin and Jeff Carter, because... You and I know, and the listeners of this podcast know, who have submitted questions, and even if you haven't submitted questions, a lot of people within this fandom know that Brian Dumoulin and Jeff Carter continue to be the two players uh, that are continuing to struggle the most. And one could argue that these two players are costing the Penguins points in the standings. And there's a question in this week's mailbag that Kind of alludes to that in addition to Mike Sullivan's role in deploying Carter and and Dumoulin and these specific uh, situations, how they're being deployed on the ice. But instead of talking about Jeff Carter and Brian Dumoulin, uh, we'll switch focus to Casey DeSmith, who now acts as the number one netminder for however long. Tristan Jari is out with injury. Casey DeSmith owns a 4-7-2 record, a 2.99 goals against average, and a 9-11 save percentage. Robbie, my question to you this week is, in the event that Tristan Jari misses substantial time, how confident are you that DeSmith can be the team's number one goalie with a team that is already so maddeningly inconsistent with the up and downs and the losing streaks and the winning streaks that they've been on to this point in the regular season.
1: For the most part, the injury bug until the beginning of December had pretty much stayed away from the Penguins, which was, I mean, given their history, pretty remarkable. But at some point it was coming for them. It just unfortunate that it all kind of came crashing uh, down at once. Now, Jason Zucker came back much earlier than we expected him to. Chris Tang obviously had the miraculous recovery from uh, his second stroke uh, in December, so that way it, um, it it did bounce back and wasn't. It didn't seem to be too terrible, but now all of a sudden it's coming again. Chris Letang, uh, his the uh, passing of his father aside, uh, banged up and not in the lineup because of that. Jeff Petrie, though he is skating, uh, he's still on long term injured reserve. And now we get to uh, Casey Smith, or Tristan Jari with Casey Smith were replaced. Jari, as you said, went down uh, in the Winter Classic, uh, left the game, did not return. Casey Smith took over. And whether or not you're confident in him, you're going to have to at least pretend you are because he's going to be the guy uh, for at least the time being. Now Tristan Jari returned to uh, Pittsburgh to be further evaluated, which will mean that he is going to be seemingly out of the lineup until at least after Sunday when they play Arizona, I cannot imagine that he will return on the trip unless they determine something uh, miraculous happened that he's not as hurt as what one would imagine. Usually when they go home, leave a road trip to be further evaluated, it is a more significant injury that will knock him out for uh, more than just a game or two. But then you come back, you come home for a couple games uh, and then you're back on the road. But I mean, So if you are going to be riding uh, DeSmith for uh, this stretch, I will say that if you look at the schedule overall, it's a generally pretty favorable schedule. Um, Obviously, er, Vegas is very good. Uh, You get them uh, this evening um, a little after we record here. But then you have Arizona, Vancouver, Winnipeg. Uh, not exactly world beaters this year, games that the Penguins can win, um, and if they want to make the playoffs, should be winning. Uh, A game against Carolina in Carolina, which has just been, they've been great games this year. Hopefully they can at least figure out a way to come out on top of one of those. Uh, And then you have a streak of Anaheim, Ottawa, Ottawa, a home-and-home against the the Senators. The Senators obviously did all that work in the offseason, but it has not turned into success. Uh, In the standings, Anaheim is absolutely dreadful this year. Then you're meeting with Jersey, which is going to be a big meeting. Uh, And then you have uh, Florida, who is, again, playoff bubble team, kind of in the mix. Washington, who you're battling with in the standings, and then San Jose, who's not been good. So, I mean, overall, the schedule could be much worse. There's a lot of games, uh, only one set of back-to-backs, though. Uh, so uh, the schedule is favorable for a situation where a backup goalie comes in. Personally, I trust Casey Smith. I know the record isn't great, but after the, he started the year kind of slow, I feel like he's bounced back. He was actually pretty good uh, in the winter classic despite the loss. I, when your offense only backs you up with a goal, there's not much. Uh, I mean, you you can hold the forward only so long, especially against a team like the Bruins. Um, but – that's who we're going to roll with. And I think at some point you will see Tukarski, uh get a start if Jari does not come back in this time frame, uh, at least this month, because it's all rolls right in then to the all-star break slash uh, if people remember it's been. Uh, I don't know if they did it last year or not, but there is a CBA mandated uh, bye week. Um, actually, I think there wasn't because of the scheduled in uh, Olympic break. So there is that bye week at the end of January it, with the all-star break into, uh, into, uh, into, um, February then. So overall, what do I think? I think that Casey Smith is perfectly acceptable. It's probably, it's obviously, I mean, Jari's your number one, so it's a longer stretch than you want your backup to be your number one, but such as, such as life, uh, in the NHL. But I think we'll see Tukarski get some NHL action and, He's a better option than Louis Domingue. Let's put it like that. I think when he was signed in the offseason, that was said um, overall uh, was uh, Dustin Corsi was a better option. He has been a thorn in the Penguins' side as a member of the Sabres. He's played well against them. So now he gets a chance to be um, on the Penguins' good side uh, if he gets some game action here. But as for Casey Smith, I'm fine with it. They could do much worse. But yeah, anytime your number one goes down, you're going to be a little worried. I just think that the Penguins are one of the teams better situated um, goaltender wise to not necessarily replace their number one, but at least it's not a huge drop off between the one and two.
0: We'll see if Ron Hextall and the company made the right decision uh, in keeping and extending Casey to Smith. Rather than go out in external fashion and acquire another backup goaltender, we'll see if because Ron Hextall has come under fire recently. I mean, let's let's be blunt. He's come under fire for the construction and the lack of depth in the bottom six. Uh, for as much credit as we gave him over the summer for finding ways to keep Malkin and Latang and Rust and Raquel, the lack of production and depth in the bottom six has sullied the. Uh, sullied whatever kind of momentum the Penguins could really have. And now they sit here, we sit here, and they're in the midst of another long losing streak. Uh, So we'll see if the option of keeping DeSmith as Tristan Jari's backup pays dividends for the Penguins for however long Tristan Jari may be out. It could be. We, we, we could be recording next week's episode and all could be fine and well. We'll just have to wait and see. As Robbie mentioned, uh, as we record this, the Pittsburgh Penguins are out west and they are uh, starting a game later on this evening. Robbie, I believe it's 10 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. It's a 10 o'clock puck drop, 10 o'clock Eastern, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, either way, yeah, it's a wait-and-see kind of approach. We don't have concrete details on what... Tristan Jari's ailment is it looks like, from what I could see watching the Winter Classic, it was some sort of lower body, maybe knee or leg injury, but we'll have to see how well Casey DeSmith and Dustin Tokarski fill in Tristan Jari's absence. And uh, sw- switching gears now, we'll switch to the mailbag segment. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener of this Pensburg podcast and you're interested in contributing to our mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pennsburg podcast Twitter account. Every week, we will send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. And, Robbie, I think this is a first for the podcast. We have six questions this week. and all of the questions have come from the same person. If uh, you're familiar, if you're a longtime listener, you've probably heard us take questions before from Brian. Well, Brian has posed six different questions to us. Uh, so thank you, Brian, for, for asking all of these questions to help fill the mailbag this week. Six questions. Robbie, as always, you'll get question number one from Brian. Uh, and Brian's first question is this. I saw a tweet and wanted to see your thoughts. It said to fire, or I guess in this case, either waive or terminate the contract of Brian Dumoulin and Jeff Carter, claim Jacob Verano, who was recently put on waivers by the uh, Detroit Red Wings, and add a third line, a capable third line center at the trading deadline. I think I'm in favor of this kind of sentiment.
1: Yeah, Jacob Verano was a shock uh, when he showed up on the waiver wire from Detroit He's paid, I think, $5 million a year. He was a very good player, so I don't know if there's more to the story. We really don't know, but he did clear waivers, so nobody put a waiver claim in on on him, and there's plenty of teams that uh, had the room and could have definitely used the skill set that he brings. So uh, it's not as easy as just waving Dumoulin and Carter. I think everybody thinks that they can just wave a magic wand and the problem goes away. Uh, One... They're not going to do that to Brian Dumoulin, a guy that is uh, such a important piece of what the Penguins did in the past. Yeah, he's not good right now, and he looks to be ext- regressing even worse than he was last season uh, in his play. But he's done too much for this franchise in the city for the Penguins to simply toss him onto waiver wire. Hope he goes down to Wilkes-Barre and just stays there um, where they don't have to worry about him. Jeff Carter, they're not going to do that to Jeff Carter either, especially not Ron Hextall, who is um, close with Carter. Uh, so I really don't see either one of those guys uh, going down. And really, that is obviously the only way that they could have added Jacob Rana. Uh, now, a 3C at the deadline, I think, is something that we can absolutely talk about, uh, mostly because I believe that Carter can still be effective as a wing with a good 3C. Uh, Dumlin. I think it's definitely time to consider sitting him down, scratching him, and working from there. But claiming Vrana was always uh, wishful thinking. But adding a three seat th- uh, third center to deadline is something that, as we go along here in the weeks to come, uh, something that I'm more than, more than willing to explore, and I think it's something the Penguins are going to have to take a good hard look at as well. Uh, Number two, again, all these questions from Brian. Uh, If we win the Stanley Cup this season, would it be the most gratifying
0: one? I would argue yes. Uh, Before this question was posed, uh, I I held the mindset that the 2016 Stanley Cup was the most gratifying to win. Basically, in my mind, the 2016 Stanley Cup cemented the legacy of the Crosby-Malkin era and... uh, for them to get back to the mountaintop after it was predicted by so many that a dynasty would be created after the 2009 Stanley cup. And, uh, so many crazy things went off the rails for that to happen, uh, to get back to the mountaintop and win in 2016. That was the most gratifying one for me. Uh, but Brian asks a good question. And the more I thought about it, Um, seeing, and I already brought it up, seeing how inconsistent this team has been this season and let's face facts. They're not a young team. They're the oldest team in the NHL with largely the same amount of players who were on the 2015 and 26 or the 2016 and 2017 Stanley cup team. So, uh, this core has aged together, but, and Sidney Crosby is continuing to play lights out hockey. Um, but it's just proven fact at this point that it's harder in what so many call a young man's game. It's simply harder to win championships with older legs and more, more miles on those tires for lack of a better uh, description. So should they win the Stanley Cup at the end of this season, I would agree with Brian and I would say that this would be the most gratifying championship. I don't think it's needed to submit anyone's legacy, but should it be done, yes, I would say it would be the most gratifying because we're witnessing firsthand in real time the ups and downs of this team, the lack of depth that they have, the injuries that they're suffering. They're the oldest team in the league. Players like Dumoulin and Carter are regressing, so if they were able to, to go the extra mile and play into June for as old as they are, yeah, it would certainly be quite the impressive accomplishment, in my opinion. Question number three, what do you think needs to change to stop giving up third period leads? I remember when this team not long ago went into shutdown mode when it had a lead.
1: Well, oftentimes your shutdown lines are your, third, your bottom six. So and the Penguins bottom six is just not in good shape right now. Yeah, obviously, I mean it's been the talking point since before the puck dropped on the season. Uh, and really, you, you have to figure out what your shutdown line is when it's like this. You deploy your your scoring your scoring lines, which yeah they can put the puck in the net, but aren't necessarily your strongest defensive uh, components. But if they're the Penguins best lines, maybe uh, Mike Sullivan has to reevaluate who he puts on the ice. Uh, in those crucial circumstances, because clearly uh, it's not working with uh, what they're doing right now. And then you have uh, the defensive aspect of it. Brian Dumlin is on the ice in too many high leverage moments for as much he is struggling. But again, you're without Chris Letang right now, who's critically important to playing uh, a shutdown pairing role uh, in the closing minutes when you have a lead. So yeah, with the injuries and just, lack of depth on this roster it's gonna be hard to simply just flip a switch without taking a good hard look at how you're deploying uh, your lines in these crucial situations maybe you have to uh, put your your higher scoring lines on just to hope they can possess the puck enough and keep it away from their opponents uh, to soak time and and grind games down but that is preferably not what you'd want to do, but with the Penguins' lack of depth and lack of bottom six, it may be something that the Penguins have to look into uh, if they want to rectify this problem. Uh, question number four, would you say this season's ups and downs are in part due to Sully's decision-making? Would you say it's loyalty to a fault or just plain stubbornness?
0: This is a good question, Brian. And I think, Brian, you, you this question answers part of your first question regarding Dumoulin and Carter, because I agree. I would say that Mike Sullivan's decision-making as a veteran coach leaning on the veteran players like Brian Dumoulin and Jeff Carter is in part loyalty to those veteran players who he has won with, uh, in, and rather than going with the unexperienced, uh, maybe rookie player, which is, which is uh, interesting to think about because in 2015 and 2016, they recalled, uh, like that Brian Rust, Tom Kunockel, Connor Sheary, Matt Murray. Eventually, they recalled Jake Gensel. And all of these guys ended up being, some, in some form or fashion, contributing members to those Stanley Cup-winning teams. So those were all young guys in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton that they called up that had really no NHL experience, and they all kind of learned on the fly, and it was that youth infusion that helped them win in 2016 and 2017. So six, seven years later, I think, yeah, I think it is part of loyalty to the players that he's won with who are now veteran players, and in Dumoulin, in Dumoulin's case, uh, he has, I think he's lost a step, and he's just It's part of the aging curve for professional athletes and stubbornness. I don't know Mike Sullivan personally. I don't know. I'm not in sitting in meetings with him and the other coaches, you know, maybe behind closed doors, he's telling his coaches, and maybe he's having meetings with Hexdall that he's saying something along the lines of, I can't continue to deploy Jeff Carter as the third line center. Um, maybe he's frustrated that he, doesn't feel like he has the proper resources to address his bottom six because he can only work with the players that he's given. And uh, I saw that he moved Jeff Carter to wing, I believe, during the Winter Classic. I don't know if that's going to continue, um, but I would say he has loyalty to the players that he's won with, which can be a detriment to the younger players who could be better than the veterans that they're playing with right now, and perhaps stubbornness and continuing to ride with those veteran players when giving a shot to the younger players with younger legs may be more beneficial to the team. But uh, I just don't know. I don't sit in on those meetings. I don't have firsthand knowledge of that sort of thing. I would be curious to know if off the record, if that's what he thinks, if he is frustrated and he feels his hands are tied because he can't really do a whole heck of a lot. It's not like the Penguins have... A lot of salary cap space to maneuver and claim a a Yakov or something like that without shipping off another contract or two. So it'd be interesting and it will be interesting to see as the season progresses toward the trade deadline to see what kind of decision making Sullivan makes as a coach, what kind of deployment he gives to these players moving towards the deadline. All of it is going to be fascinating as we move towards one of the more crucial parts of the NHL season. Question number five, Robbie, what is one hill you will die on with the Pittsburgh Penguins? For Brian, it's if Mario Lemieux never gets sick slash has back issues, he ends his career with more points than Wayne Gretzky.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely a a legitimate hill to die on for, for Brian. And mine is if Kevin Stevens doesn't break his face in game seven against the Islanders, the Penguins, uh, probably win three Stanley Cups in a row in the early 90s. That or that team is the single greatest team to never win a Stanley Cup, uh, which uh, is unfortunate, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Or maybe if I'm trying to think, if Marc Andre Fleury even plays average in 2012 against the Flyers, the Penguins win that series and then they are in the very small group of cup favorites after that. Um, Mark andre Fleury's complete meltdown against the Flyers because um, again you have to remember the Flyers goaltending was an absolute disaster in that series as well I think the Penguins dispatched the New Jersey Devils uh, and then dispatched the New York Rangers uh, to, to at least advance to the Stanley Cup final against the Kings that year uh, at the very least because um, the Penguins outside of goaltending were a very strong team, a very good team uh, that year and it's just unfortunate that they couldn't get the goaltending uh, to come together and kind of... I mean, even average goaltending, the Penguins are a, a clear cup favorite, I think, and it's just unfortunate that they could not get that goaltending uh, to come together and carry that team, or at least do, what, do, do its part to help that team possibly win another Stanley Cup. And six, uh, our last question. Uh, any jerseys that you want that you can't seem to find I've uh, been looking for a Milan craft. Uh, I'm assuming he means John Herdina. uh, and then a Rick Talker Jersey with no luck.
0: I wish I could say I have multiple jerseys, but I believe on a pr- previous episode of the podcast, I said I only had one Jersey and I think it was a CCM Mario Lemieux Jersey. Uh, so I'm not that big on hockey jerseys or, you know, having multiple jerseys in my collection. Um, If you're familiar with the hockey guy on YouTube, he's basically based his entire YouTube channel around his massive, massive collection of hockey jerseys. I think he's a great uh, YouTube personality in a really small circle of NHL YouTubers. Um, But I kind of live vicariously through him because I, I watch some of his videos and I see this massive, 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 massive collection of hockey jerseys. And I can only imagine because hockey jerseys are not cheap. Uh, I mean, you could get the one, the, the straight up knockoffs from China and you know, they arrived like five months after you place the order. But if you're buying hockey jerseys, uh, on a regular basis and they're like regularly retailing for at least $100 U S Um, if not a lot more regularly, $150 us, uh, they are just not cheap and that's why I don't have a massive collection of jerseys. Um, but I can't really answer this question. This last question, Brian, Robbie, I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't know if you have multiple jerseys in your collection or if there's a Jersey for you that, um, you, maybe you've wanted over the years that you just could never pull the trigger on or could never find, but, for me, yeah, I'm not really, not really too, too big of a jersey, jersey wearer or jersey guy in general.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of Crosby jerseys. Uh, that's been my main uh, jersey uh, that I have. And uh, what else? I have an Orpic Stanley Cup jersey from 2009. I have a Malkin jersey somewhere, and. I have, I don't, I can't, they don't fit anymore. They're from when I was young. I have a, basically what the reverse retro is based off of in white. And I also have the black road gradients uh, as well. Uh, So, yeah, I don't, I have a good many jerseys. I don't necessarily have a lot of different players. Uh, If I could pick one from the past, I'd probably get a Kevin Stevens one. Uh, But other than that, um, that is, Ah, uh, basically, the extent is a lot of Crosby jerseys in my closet.
0: Well, that is going to do it. We wrap up a pretty, pretty swift first episode of 2023. Thank you again to Brian for sending in all six of this week's Melband questions. Uh, thank you, all of you who have listened to this podcast up until this point and hopefully make this Pennsburg podcast part of whatever podcast routine you have, whether you're listening on your way to work, on your way home from work, at the gym, whatever. Uh, we thank you, nonetheless, for for downloading and listening to us every week, and we hope to bring you even more fun content, audio content, and even written content over at Pennsburg.com for the remainder of the 2022-23 season. But for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pensburg Podcast, and we will see you all right back here this time next week.